Welcome into the Talking Out Loud podcast, recorded February 17th, released to you February 18th. It's great to have you on board for another episode. I'm your host, Sully. I want to give you the rundown about the episode before we get into it. So doing something a little bit different tonight, I wanted to change it up a little bit, getting a little bit monotonous as we're heading towards the end of the season. I brought on Zach and Pete, who run the Midtown Madness podcast for St. Louis, and we did kind of a crossover episode. So we recorded all at the same time. They released onto their channel. I release on to mine. So there's going to be a, a little bit of back and forth conversation, maybe, you know, more information about St. Louis than you necessarily wanted to know or that I would have given you on the Dayton side of things, but nonetheless informative for all those fans out there that have stuck through it and stuck through the Dayton Flyer season to the bitter, bitter end. And that's where we find ourselves. Before we get into the episode tonight, Wanted to remind you that it's brought to you by my pal George at Mobile Use Car Inspections. Yes, if you need an automotive expert that you can trust, George is your man. He's an ASE certified technician who specializes in pre-purchase inspections when you are buying a used vehicle and performs certified and IRS qualified automotive appraisals for all insurance and legal purposes. If your car has been totaled, but your settlement amount seems too low or If your car has been hit and you now have a bad Carfax report, you call George for either of those conundrums. If you have any questions automotive-related, you call George. He's always happy to provide free advice to Flyer fans anytime. You can email him, info at mobileinspections.com, or simply call 937-671-0768. Again, info at mobileinspections.com, and that is where you find George, who is bringing you the episode that starts right now. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. Welcome back to Talking Out Loud, the weekly Dayton basketball podcast. But tonight, special crossover episode. And when I mean crossover, I mean that quite literally. It's a crossover episode. We are simulcasting this. I don't think you can simulcast if it's not live, but we're going to do it anyway. A10 Podcasters Unite and I brought on the hosts of the Midtown Madness Pod at Midtown Mad Pod on Twitter is where you can find them. Zach and Peter join me tonight, diehard St. Louis fans, to talk about Arch Baron Cup round two because it is Arch Baron Cup week presented by Lee's Chicken. I don't know if you knew that, Zach, but it is Arch Baron Cup week presented by Lee's Chicken over here on Talking Out Loud. And it's great to have you guys on the show, Zach. It's been, what, a full calendar year since I last talked to you on the podcast, right? Yeah, my dude. Uh, By the way, this is the, uh, the Midtown Madness podcast featuring... Dan yeah, Sully Sullivan. Fe- featuring Talking Out Loud. It goes yeah, both feature, ways. Yes, featuring Talking Out Loud, presented by Lee's Chicken. 
you can't even get like the good chicken, man. Come on. You guys have Lee's Chicken in Missouri, so I thought about that this week, and I was like, this sponsorship works. It's the perfect crossover sponsorship. When I'm driving down the Lake of the Ozarks, there's a Lee's Chicken right there in Jefferson City. So I know you guys have them, all right? I've seen them. They're there, all right? <laughs> well, we also have Pete joining us, co-host of the Midtown Madness Pod. Pete, first time on uh, the Dayton Podcast. So I, are you a hot take kind of guy, or are you just going to keep it level with us? Uh, I'll probably keep it level my first time, but uh, first time, yeah, yeah, man. That well, Zach, like we have Zach on the pod. He's good for for the hot takes, um, or you know, just what, crazy what amount, things. What amounts of hot takes in this yeah. season? There's not a whole lot of hot takes you can make about the Dayton Flyers, but alas, fellas, um, we find ourselves wading through the college basketball waters, getting to Friday night seven o'clock tip on ESPN two, the A10's featured game of the week. Uh, this one looked a lo- whole lot better uh, about what three or four weeks ago. So let's start there, guys. Um, we're doing the crossover episode. There will be questions on both sides of the fence. But where are things right now in St. Louis fandom? Because after the Dayton LaSalle losses for my Dayton listeners, Slew righted the ship. They got four in a row against Bonaventure, Rhode Island, Fordham, and LaSalle kind of uh, righting that wrong on their first loss to LaSalle. And, it, and, you know, you guys are on the right side of the bubble um, in most projections I've seen, 11 and 3. What's the what's the fever pitch right now in Billiken land? I think there's a lot of positivity floating uh, through uh, Billiken Nation. Um, I think with, with winning the last two games, seeing this team pick it up uh, and, and play at a level that we hoped they'd be at, even without point guard Yuri Collins in the lineup, uh, I, I think that combined with uh, people are getting to go to the games. They upped it to a thousand people uh, in the Whoa. stands. Yeah, have that. yeah, yeah, a thousand people. So it's uh, there, there's a lot of things to be excited about. Um, I I tend to uh, I'm I'm trying to temper my my excitement, not necessarily my expectations, but my excitement, just because we've seen it already once. You get to a game day and boom, the hammer drops and you're not playing. So, um, yeah, I think, I think there's a, there's an era of positivity around the team. I, I, maybe Peter sees something different. No, I think it's the same. Uh, we had one of the longest COVID shutdowns in the country, 33, 34 days came back. Not the longest, right? Yeah, it's definitely up there. Um, came back, played a couple lackluster games. Um, as, as you know, uh, not a, not a game we wanted to come back to with uh, with a rival in Dayton, so that was a tough one. And then couldn't get our footing against LaSalle, but since then things have looked really good. And I would say, really, in the last three games, we look like that team um, that started the season um, on on quite a hot streak. So I, th- I think people are are looking at the team right now, thinking we've regained our form and uh, we're going to be a, a contender. I, I think I think the only the only part left is probably Demarius Jacobs. But I feel like he had some decent games uh, during that tough stretch, and maybe it's now more of uh, getting banged up against Bonaventure. But he's the only—he's about the only piece of the the, the motor that's uh, kind of been acting up. Well, that's what I was going to ask next, guys. Was that in that first game against Dayton? Um, I I didn't feel like it was a conditioning issue. And I, and I said as much on Twitter, and I, I didn't really feel like the lineup looked rusty against each other. What it looked like to me, and, and you guys probably know this as well as I do, 
it's really cold here in Chicago right now. Okay. And I don't get to play basketball much indoors um, during the wintertime. I usually have to play on outdoor courts here in the city. And where I'm going with this is when I get back on the court in April, it will probably take me about two to three weeks to get any kind of continuity on a jump shot or just a feel for the hoop. It literally, you know, it'll take like multiple hours of me going out to the court. Now, I know that that is a very small and menial sample size, but it really rings true. And that's what I saw out of St. Louis when they played Dayton. It wasn't that they were tired in the last five minutes. It's that they just couldn't find the rim. It was like a bunch of guys that had been off for the winter and had not had access to a court finally gets onto a court and you're just missing bunnies. You're missing the front end. Like, is that what you guys saw or let's go this way? What has been the difference between those first two games and the last four games? Um, I think it's energy across the board. I mean, those those first two games, we saw guys tearing us up from the perimeter, whether it's Crutcher or Watson, um, Beattie at LaSalle. I mean, we could not close out on those guys. They had nothing but time and space to shoot. It just looked like tired legs on our end. I don't know how much of that is COVID-related and how much of that is the fact that they weren't practicing together. They weren't um, they weren't in the gym very often at all uh, dur- during that stretch. Yeah. So um, I-, I think your analogy actually is pretty apt from what I saw. I don't know about you, Zach. Um, yeah, I, it, it felt like there was not a lot of communication. It, feel, it felt like maybe the communication – uh, broke down over the break. And so when you get back in, you lose that kind of, um, you know, that team Hoods together, the, the, the togetherness on the court where you've got, uh, <laughs> where you're able to, uh, you know, make sure the help defense is in the right place, but not, you know, over help so that you leave a guy open for three and you can't close out. It was, it was a lot of communication, I thought, on the defensive end specifically. I thought our defense was just absolutely non-existent. So then here's the next question as uh, you know, if we're going to put, put the past behind us here. And again, I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit for Dayton listeners. St. Louis's resume right now is pretty good. It's not great. It's not bad for an NCAA tournament team. It's pretty good. Um, They have a good win against LSU. They, uh, they let the wheels fall off a little bit against Minnesota. I watched that game, and, and it didn't look like that was going to be uh, a game that was worth noting. But now, you know, Minnesota's top 40. They're a pretty decent team to lose to. Um, I think SLU's a little bit better than giving up 90 points to them. But you guys went into the break at 7-1. and one. You sit here at 11-3. and three. In your mind, you have Dayton, VCU, Richmond, George Mason down the lineup here. 3-1, and one, I feel like, gets it done. What do you guys think? <clears throat> Yeah, I like I like three and one. Uh, my buddy uh, actually just texted me before I got on here and said, you know, they need to win out. I said, you know, I could see maybe a VCU loss being uh, okay, given that it's at VCU. But yeah, I think that won't hurt them. The rest of the way, you have to go out and and take care of business. And uh, luckily, we've got a bunch of guys who are, are seniors. They're they're businessmen when it comes to the game of basketball and. I, th- I think they have a, a very good shot of doing of, of winning out. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I think three and one should be enough, uh, especially if that one is VCU. I would um, I, even at three and one though. I'm kind of sweating what we do in the conference yeah. tournament, 
So yeah, it'll still I, I matter always, no matter yeah, what. I would rather not be in that position. Uh, I'd rather, you know, you go 4-0, and and I think whatever happens in the conference tournament is fine. Um, it's just, you know, seeding at that point. That's so, the thing that I was going to say is that if St. Louis goes 4-0 and down the stretch with these games, I don't think that it'll matter as much. I think that they could probably take a first-round exit and still squeak in at like an 11. Um, you don't want to put yourself in that position. But the other thing that I just keep going back to is that that last week or like last 10 days, the A-10 is left open. So you very much could see a couple of games slide in there. I kind of hope for St. Louis's sake and for your guys' sake they don't do that because St. Louis does have enough meat on their bone that they, they kind of have um, enough here on the resume where they can point back and say, hey, you know, we've won some good games. We've kind of avoided the landmines. Whereas a team like Richmond right now, you know, Richmond has four games left after t- or five games left after tonight. And the only good ones are St. Louis and VCU. So it's, it's kind of like the onus is going to be put on the A-10 to maybe get an extra game in there for Richmond, where St. Louis, it'll be like, Eh, let's do nothing because nothing will probably be better than something, right? Do you guys feel that way? Or do you want to kind of get maybe another test to pad the resume? The only other one that um, we were supposed to play Bonaventure twice this year. So we might have a Bonaventure. That would be the one I would expect them to try and squeeze in if they do that. But I think I'm kind of looking at that week more as they're probably giving them them. The A-10 is probably giving themselves that week just in case anything happens. Like, uh, you know, should VCU or Richmond or anybody have to shut it down, um, they probably want that wiggle room in case we've got some more cancellations coming up. Sure, sure. I definitely agree with that. Um, I think it'll be Bonaventure, and that's really the only one I really want, (laughs) honestly. I mean, that's That's what the A-10 should do, you know. They put you up against Bonaventure, and it'll honestly – it'll turn into, like, a de facto play-in game for an at-large seed, which is precisely what the A-10 wants because let's think about this from off-the-court standpoint. Not only does the A-10 want to have one more game to see, like, hey, who's going to go to the tournament, but if you say, hey, this is our de facto play-in game for an at-large – Boom, that's on national television. And that's the big time. That's what A10 wants. Well, I want to turn this around on you in the spirit of being the most ambitious A10 crossover podcast of all time. (laughs) Uh, I want to go back to that game. Uh, Unfortunately, I watched it and it was depressing. I want to know where your head was at during that game because I know leading up to that game, we had shared some text messages where you were very down on Dayton and telling me not to worry, and I'm worrying. So tell me what you saw in that game from the Dayton Flyers that uh, allowed them to come away with the win. Oh, my gosh. So I I have never – I can't remember the last time I was so disgusted after a Dayton win, like a win. I don't think I've ever been so disgusted with a Dayton win in my life. And I, I truly mean that. I had – the podcast that I did, the rapid reaction podcast that, that I do on talking out loud, it was the number one listened to episode all season because I went on the microphone and I was as hot as I've ever been on a microphone. And I, I try to temper it back to like make sure all of my arguments are going to come through in like a congruent manner and I'm going to talk and you know say things that are going to make sense, right? And that night I was just embroiled. Like I was absolutely embroiled. And I was sitting there in my group chat 
And all my buddies were like, yeah, we're beating Slew. Whoop de doo. And I was literally like, this game doesn't effing matter. Like our season is already pissed away. And now Dayton's gonna beat St. Louis. Like I was livid, absolutely livid. Like you guys are gonna come out and lose the LaSalle and fucking Fordham. And then you're going to lose a stinker, like get absolutely blown out by VCU. And then they had the unmitigated gall to beat St. Louis on their own home floor. I was disgusted because I was like, you know, to, and you know, for fans that are like, well, why are you so mad about a Dayton win? Okay. The Dayton team doing well affects my bottom line. Let me lay it out there for all the listeners. Okay. When the team's doing well, my show is doing better. So I have a monetary interest in the team winning. It's just the way it is for me. And that night I was sitting there like, how dare this team take so long to put it together and beat St. Louis when I know the season is dead and over and buried. Like it it was like they wanted to give me this moment to be so happy. And I was like, how dare you? Oh, I was just disgusted. I really was because in the last like five minutes, I'm sitting there on my couch and it was kind of the same way when you guys play like a cupcake, like when you're playing like a LaSalle or whatever. I mean, I guess you guys lost LaSalle, but you're sitting there on your couch and you're like, we're not, we're not going to lose this game. We're not going to lose this game. I was the opposite. I was like, no, there's no way Dayton's going to win this game. No way. No way. They're not going to win this game. And the clock hit zero. It was kind of like the Fordham game where I'm like, we're not going to lose to Fordham. We're not going to lose to Fordham. And then it happens. and You're like, God damn it. Like we just lost the boredom. I was like, we just beat St. Louis. I couldn't believe it. And you know, for the rivalry's sake, it didn't even matter. Like that's the worst part. It's like, I can't even sit here and talk crap to you guys because the game did not matter for us. One lick. Well, that's the, that's the spin zone, isn't it? I, I think it's, it's a great thing that you're like, friends are hitting you up. being like, we're beating slew. Like the excitement is still there. Even in a, even in a bad, you know, year for you guys, I well, I think it's they worth were, noting. They were chirping my ear all afternoon because our odds were so good on the book. So my friends, like anytime they see like a, a heavy underdog line, they'll be like, all right, we're slamming flyers tonight. It's going to be a flyers night. And I was like, you guys are out of your goddamn mind. Like Dayton's going to get blown out tonight. You know it. And then, of course, you know how that goes in the friend groups. Like, I get it shoved in my face at about 8.30 that night. How wrong I was to not support the boys. But I said it, and I said as much, and and I'll leave you guys with this. Is it even on the month-long pause that St. Louis had, there was nothing to indicate that they were going to win that game? Nothing. I mean, even to this day, there's nothing to indicate to me that Dayton's going to win this weekend. Was it the VCU loss, the nature of that loss immediately before it? Was it the Fordham loss? I mean, mean, when I look at your whole schedule, I don't necessarily think like, oh, the season's over. It's out of hand. They have no chance. After the Fordham game, it was because you're, you're five and three or one and two in the conference and you've lost to, to analytically two of the worst teams in the conference, right? Uh, Fordham far and away, the worst team in the conference. So at that point for Dayton, it was out of reach, considerably out of reach, because they didn't have enough on the non-con slate. I mean, you guys know how it is. Usually you go into conference slate, you have, what, eight or nine wins. You maybe have one or two losses that are meh, maybe one that's good, you know, you don't have to worry about. But this year, we didn't really have those opportunities. So Dayton went in four and one to conference play, and their only wins were against Mississippi State and Old Miss, neither of whom are very good in the SEC, and we kind of knew that. So the ice was already thin going into conference play, 
but just X's and O's. I mean, you watch this team and like we got, we lost LaSalle by two and that took a 22 point effort from a freshman that had been with the team for like a week. You know, you just started to see things where you're thinking to yourself, this team just isn't good enough. And and they're not, you know, it's, you know, now that we're in mid February, I can say that confidently, like we were right. They weren't good enough because good teams don't lose to Fordham. It's just that simple. Right. So, you know, going forward after you beat the Billikens, uh, you guys go two and three uh, wins uh, versus Rhode Island and versus George Mason. uh, And then two losses at Duquesne and Rhode Island respectively. And then uh, Virginia Commonwealth. Yeah. So what are you seeing from this team? Is there any, is there any positives you're taking from Dayton going two and three in the last five? I mean, not really. Like I said it last night that they lost a stinker and we're recording on Wednesday evening for listeners. Uh, we're releasing, you know, for Thursday morning. So I say last night, Tuesday evening, Dayton lost to Rhode Island in double overtime. And I said they blew an 18-point lead with about eight minutes left to lose to Rhode Island. And Rhode Island's not a good team. And I said on Twitter right after the loss that, like, it's a game that Dayton deserves to lose. Like, when you go to overtime when you're up 18, you deserve to lose. And the the second thing I said was that, you know, in mid-February, there's just nothing to be learned by that. You learn lessons in November at Thanksgiving tournaments. You learn lessons in December in the non-con. Hell, you learn lessons losing to LaSalle and Fordham in January. You're done learning lessons by February. You know, there's no more excuses. There's no more, oh, this team missed a couple games here. You missed a couple games there. I mean, you guys know how it is with St. Louis. Yeah, they missed a month, but that no longer matters. St. Louis needs to win games now, and they can't fall back on that excuse. And it's kind of the same thing with Dayton. It's like, there's no lesson to be learned when now you're seven and six in conference, you're 11 and seven overall, and your season's going nowhere. We all are on the same page. You have to win in the A10 tournament to get it done. But, you know, the positives from the X's and O's standpoint, Jalen Crutcher is going to be the best player on the floor every single night. He just is. Is he going to win the A10 player of the player of the year? Probably not because Dayton's not good enough. But, I mean, that's the positive is that we get to watch him, you know, score 20 points a night. I kind of feel bad that he has to go out like this, but that's one positive. I mean, the future, and I don't want this to be like doom and gloom, like the future in Dayton looks fine, but as far as positives from this team, it's, it's hard to find. They're a tough team to watch. Well, speaking of Crutcher going out like this is, do you know, is he going out? I mean, St. Louis fans actually need to know that, that he's not coming yeah. out for another year. <laughs> let him be a lottery pick sweet jesus let somebody take him in the lottery um so here's here's my thing with crutcher and and i'll i'll lay this out i don't have any problem saying this on my own podcast too um he's the type of guy that'll send his stats out to social media after a loss and What I mean to say by that, you know, if he wants to do that, he's a 21-year-old kid. I probably would have done the same thing as a a crappy 21-year-old kid, whatever. But guys like that don't come back for the better of the team or the better of the school. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I'm just kind of like illustrating his personality. He's not the type of guy that would come back for one more run. He's going to go and see what kind of money he can make. And rightfully so, that's what he should do. 
because if we're looking at Dayton next year and beyond, Crutcher does this program and Anthony Grant and the team no favors by coming back for another year. So rest assured, St. Louis fans, this will be the last time you see Jalen Crutcher unless we meet you in Richmond. I promise you. I promise That's you. That's all we needed. That's all we yeah. needed. <laughs> He's not coming back. But before we uh, get into the upcoming matchup, I, I have one question, and I, I think I speak for a lot of Billiken fans by saying uh, uh, that game last night between uh, Dayton and Rhode Island ruined the, the night up until the game switched over on CBS Sports. Oh, I felt, uh, felt so bad for you. I did. I did. But, but there were quite a bit of people in the arena last night that may not have watched that game, and there was a big – a big stat from that game, uh, a guy who actually played really well in the first meeting uh, between the two teams, Zimmy, just tell me his last name. Uh, he okay. had 30 points. Yes. He had 30 points last night. Tell us about that. Yeah. You know, what's so funny is that because Dayton lost last night in like horrible fashion, you didn't hear a goddamn peep on Twitter today about Zimmy scoring 30 points, which was the weirdest thing ever. Um, because like you guys know this, a freshman scoring 30 points in conference play is like unheard of. I, I can't even think of the last time that happened in the A-10. Maybe Trey Mitchell last year, I guess. Um, and, and he's kind of even broken the mold as far as freshmen. But it's so funny, like Zimmy put together such a great game last night, and now it's just completely overshadowed by the fact that Dayton just, you know, pulled a, a whole full diaper last night and, and pissed it away. So it, it it's it's weird. I mean, he had such a coming out game, and that would have been like the Zimmy game had Dayton pulled it out. But instead, we're talking about Jalen Crusher missing a free throw down the stretch and, and Dayton losing a stinker. So um is it a sign of things to come? Boy, I hope so, because Zimmy gave Jalen Crutcher like an option off the ball. And um, you know, if St. Louis fans haven't watched Dayton much, Crutcher has come around a high ball screen at the top of the key like a million times and then driven down the middle of the lane. And he's looked for an alley-oop that's simply not there because Obi Toppin is not in school any longer. Like that scenario has played out so many times. And so last night, they kind of got back to that the little high two-man game that translates into easy buckets down low. And, um, you know, it was encouraging. Like I said, it, it's not like all doom and gloom and flyer land. It's just that we kind of had to to pass the buck on this season because it's not going anywhere. What do you think? I mean, NIT maybe. Do you uh, – NIT still on as far as we know, right? As far as we know, yeah. I think Dayton's is definitely headed there um, as of right now. I guess that might even be a little bit of a stretch. But, I mean, the thing that's funny, like going into this game for Dayton fans, is that while the season's completely over, I think most Dayton fans are rather excited about tomorrow night because – we really have a chance of like ending your season. Like I feel like if Dayton wins tomorrow night, I'm going to get your guys' opinion on this. Zach, like, do you feel like St. Louis can come back from that loss? Like what would they have to do if they lost tomorrow night to Dayton? I prefer not to think about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what's funny is that I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it because I do I, – I'm, I'm a little bit of a conference homer in that – with the A10, I want us to get bids, and and I know it's so out of out of um, sight, out of mind for Dayton. So I'm kind of like, I would love if we had a three bid Bonaventure, St. Louis, VCU, or Richmond, or whatever. You know, I I would like that to happen. Um, but man, it, 
Pete, it's it sure does feel like Dayton can kind of throw a whole wrench in that plan, and we still have to play Bonaventure. So, is, yeah, where does it leave you tomorrow night if Dayton wins? Yeah, we we we, we just, right. just talked about how we probably have to go three and one at least in these next four games. I mean, we definitely have to go at least three and one, if not four and zero. Um, and I really don't want the one to be against Dayton because I think that's one of those things you look at, uh, or the committee will look at you losing to kind of a, a, a middle of the conference right now team twice. It's mm-hmm. not a great look. If, if you lose to Dayton once and you lose to VCU once, that's different than losing the same thing, the tw- same team twice, I think. Um, yeah. So you lose to Dayton. If we lose to Dayton tomorrow, um, I, I, we might just have to win the conference tournament at that point, at least get to the, at least win out and then get to the final. Um, yeah. it, it, it's interesting that you mentioned the conference tournament because I got a message during the game. What Tuesday night now um, that said the announcers suggested that if uh, two teams slew was one of them. And then I guess VCU, if those two teams went out, I guess that's not possible, but uh, pretend it is that we should skip the conference tournament. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, that didn't even cross my, that had never even crossed my mind. I, what do you guys think? Have, have they kind of finalized what's going to happen with that though? Because I think the, the fear right now is a lot of, especially power conference teams who are going to be like, I don't know, 10 and eight in conference or something, but not that great overall trying to sit out the conference tournament and pick up a nine or a 10 seed or something. Yeah. Um, has the NCAA said for sure what it's going to do? I mean, are, aren't they giving conferences the option to pick their auto bid? Yeah. So as of right now, the NCAA has said that conferences can operate uh, autonomously to do whatever they want to do. Um, <laughs> you know, and so the first domino to drop and there will be dominoes, someone's going to do it. And there yeah. will be a trickle down on this is that, <clears throat> Gonzaga and BYU are thinking about sitting out the West Coast Conference Tournament, and frankly, they should. Um, in the A-10, it's going to get dicey. And, and you know, I don't really think it's worth discussing just yet. And I think that the reason the A-10 is not going to go down this road is because of that final week that they built in. Because the A-10 built in that week, they can still put teams to win some games right there at the end. And so the immediacy of a team canceling in that final week, I just don't think is going to be plausible. Like you're going to be talking about a tournament where teams are going to be pulling out two to three days beforehand. I just don't see how that's going to fly with the conference office. Um, So I think it's in a situation where if you can opt out in the next two weeks, you go ahead and do it like Gonzaga, BYU, they're going to get in regardless. But St. Louis, Bonaventure, even VCU was still work to do. You know, I just – that is a really dicey proposition. And in, in our conference, the one thing that I've kept telling people is that I don't have to worry about our conference having a tournament or not having a tournament. The A-10 needs the television revenue. They need to get a bid in one way or another. They're going to have the tournament. Money always talks in these scenarios. We've seen that time and time again in 2020. So I'm not concerned about the A10 having a tournament or not. To be frank, I think um, the I think you're right. We we still have a few teams who need to build the resume, and nobody who can just kind of rest on theirs. If we had a situation like last season, where Dayton's you know 
run away with the conference and um it is a clear, can sit, everybody else can yeah, play exactly yeah. exactly we have a clear one or two seed um in the tournament already that's that's a totally different ball game but yeah now we've got three teams who are kind of sweating it out right now and really need some quality wins down the stretch so um yeah i, I don't see that happening at least at this point yeah no definitely not um it, boys this is perfect time we're about a half hour in so uh, zach knows it on my program, there's always trivia, and tonight is no different. Crossover episode or not, I have trivia for my listeners. Um, you guys might not have trivia music, but I have trivia music. So in my podcast, the music will be playing right now. Okay, for trivia. Here we go. All right, tonight's trivia has to do with the series between UD and SLU. Most educated fans of the Arch Baron Cup know that the series dates back to 1952 when the teams met for the first time in the NIT tournament at that time, young listeners, it was a better tournament than the NCAA tournament. Keep that in mind. Okay, boys. Tomorrow night is the 66th matchup between Dayton and St. Louis playing basketball. And my question to you, um, you probably already know what the series is, sits at roughly. I'll give my listeners 65 games. UD's still up 37 to 28. In those 65 games, how many matchups saw one or the other team ranked? So in 65 matchups, how many games saw Dayton or St. Louis ranked? So, Zach, I'll let you answer first. Well, so I'm trying to think this one out. Um, the Billikens were probably not ranked for, were not usually the ranked squad. Uh, let's see, 12, 13, 14. That's three seasons ranked. That's six like games, seven, seven, uh, including this year. And then let's say Dayton doubled that at thirteen. We'll say twenty-one. Do you have an answer? I think uh, I think I'm going to go less than that. Actually, out of sixty. 66. I think I'm going to go with uh, 15. So Pete is closer. The answer is 11 games. There is 11 ranked matchups out of 65 for the two teams. And I'll do you one better. There has only been two games where both teams were ranked. Now, Zach, you... You like what you did here was pretty good, all right? Because you broke it down and you're trying to think, like, all right, how many matchups? Here's what you miss the series started in 1952 in the NIT, both teams were ranked. Then they mm-hmm. played again in the NIT in 1955, both teams were ranked. And then I'll do you one even better the one year that they were in, I think there was two years, sorry, two years, they were in the Great Midwest Conference together. 1994, they played three times, and St. Louis was ranked through the entirety of the back half of the 94 season, 95 season. So that accounted for three games right there. So you were pretty close getting seven, and then all you had to do was just add a couple more here and there. So there you go. There's your trivia for the night, Dayton-St. Louis rivalry. So none of them them were uh, in the, what, 12, 13, 14? So no, they were. I'm saying like you yeah. had it, like you were getting there. Oh, like 12, yeah, yeah, 13, yeah, yeah, 14. The problem yeah. was that '94 season was a bit of an outlier uh, in St. Louis history, and they were ranked that whole season. 
Um, that that's but, the uh, that that's the highest uh, attended team of that year. One of the top. What what is it, Pete? We were like they were in- yeah during the mid nineties. They were um, one of the top national um, in attendance and average attendance because uh, they were playing in the hockey arena in St. Louis at the time, and they were drawing fifth, uh, between fifteen and twenty thousand fans a game. Is that yeah, right for yeah. St. Louis basketball? What? Yeah, we were in the top ten in attendance for I think at least three or four seasons in a row. Wow. Well, um, the way I'll, I'll bookend the trivia is that the last time that Dayton and St. Louis met and both teams were ranked was the 1955 NIT tournament, March 15th, 1955, to be exact. So that's I always come hot with the trivia, boys. That's my thing. You know, I, I love, I love, that. I love going down memory lane. I love doing that kind of stuff. Um, all right, let's shift to this focus a little bit to uh, to Friday night's game. Uh, we got the marquee game again. Um, we're we're wrapping up the crossover episode with the Midtown Madness Pod boys over at St. Louis, and your boy Sully does talking out loud podcast over for our Dayton fans. Seven o'clock tip, ESPN two. I always love when the Flyers um, get that that prime time spot on Friday night. Um, first question I'll have for you guys before we get to the actual basketball playing. What is your ideal schedule for the basketball games in conference? And I'll, I'll tell you first and foremost, I'm a Tuesday, Friday guy. I have grown very impartial to Tuesday, Friday, because I love ending my week with a little mid-major hoops. Some people like the traditional Wednesday, Saturday. What say you? Zach, you can go first on this one. Well, first of all, I want to remind everybody that it's a 6 p.m. start central time. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. Sorry. See, I always have to adjust, and now I get to talk to central people, central time people. I live in Chicago for St. Louis listeners. So I'm, all my whole life is about, like, transitioning to Eastern time. I apologize. Uh, but uh, I love Saturday 10. I love, <laughs> love, love 11, 130, 330, 530. I love it. I cannot get enough of just line up. Yes, and I love NBC Sports presentation. Uh, I just think their pictures clear. I think their their graphics packages are superb. I love that Saturday. So uh, yeah, I'm a big Wednesday Saturday guy. Pete, yeah, I was. I got used to Wednesday Saturday um, when I was at SLU. I was a manager actually at SLU in the early 2000s, and uh, we were still sharing a, an arena with the Blues. And typically we would play a noon Saturday game and they'd get us out of there as mm-hmm. quick as possible and convert the floor over to the ice for a seven o'clock hockey game. So I kind of, wow. I actually, even though I resented being the second class tenant in an arena, um, I, I really did start to get used to the uh, the Wednesday night and then Saturday noon game. I kind of like that. But now yes. I'm at the point where the only thing that matters to me is that tip off is a little later in the evening. So uh, I, can, I can get my kids to bed and start a game. So we've had a couple yeah. of nine o'clock tips Eastern time recently. And I, I love that. Yeah. I, yeah, that, I love that. Bed. There's nothing like the, there's nothing like a Saturday noon game and then getting yelled at by an usher on the way out. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's an experience that. that you just have to, you have to be there. Yeah. Yeah, I I, uh, I always said to people that you used to be able to set your watch by Wednesday, Saturday. You know, it was always Wednesday, Saturday in the A-10. Um, that's when everybody played the whole conference. And now with the TV deal, it's kind of all over the place. But I don't know. I 
something about Tuesday, Friday. I just really like like Tuesday when you're just coming off the weekend, the, the week's still fresh, you know, and then like, you know, you're ending your work week and, and you got hoops. So I, that's where I'm at. But um, are you are you a CBS sports or an NBC sports? Which, uh, my which broadcast do you like better? CBS Sports has really been letting me down on the announcers so far this oh. year. And, and last night was no different, man. I mean, they said the conference was going to get six bids potentially. Like, the lack of research that goes into that statement is profound. It's, it's well, truly profound. Is it a lack of research or is it almost that, like, I've yeah. come to the – well, I've come to the idea that they're just marketers with a microphone. Like they send them out there and just make like that's uh, that's just I I think it's, some it's of just, it is also they're trying to pump up the matchup. Yeah, well, that's that's the fine line that I was going to say. So the story that I told going into um, what the hell game was it for Dayton? Uh, this was uh, last week. I guess it was on Tuesday. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, last Tuesday against VCU. Uh, we play on CBS Sports Network, and I happen to know Dan Dickow from like our podcast network. And so he hit me up, and he was like, "Hey, can you give me some of the talking points between Dayton and VCU?" He goes, "I know you watch the team." Um, and for listeners, St. Louis, Dayton don't know Dan Dickow used to play at Gonzaga, and now he's a commentator at CBS Sports. So I was like, "Great, I get to inform Dan Dickow like the things that he needs to talk about, the things to stay away from." It was great, you know. I was like, "This could not have worked out better because all we ever do is bitch about like our broadcast crews." And then, sure enough, um, yeah, I gave him the talking points, whatever, in the morning. And then he gets on the broadcast, and he's like, "Oh, two teams that are still jockeying for an at-large, and our fan base had a shit fit." They're like, "How dare you say that? We're not going to be an at-large." And I'm like, "Okay." Dan Dickow is an employee of CBS. How prudent would it be of him to get on the broadcast and say, well, VCU's a pretty good team, but Dayton kind of sucks. They're going through the motions this year. It's like, just like you said, there is speaking in realistic tones. There's pumping up the matchup. And then there's, and then there's kind of toeing that line. Right. And to, to uh, Dan's credit, six, he did toe the line a little bit. Six bids is jumping over that line. Yeah. yeah. And again, head first dive. Well, that was what I was talking about against Rhode Island um, the following Tuesday. This would have been last night. One of the guys that was on the broadcast, some know nothing. He was like, well, the A-10 could get six bids this year. Just like that is just so stupid. And, and I and again, as a professional, like in whether you're doing radio, whether you're doing whatever the hell it is you listener do in your job. To lack that much professionalism, to lack that amount of preparation is like woefully negligent, in my opinion. Like, it's your career. Why don't you care what, what comes out of your mouth? Like, that's what bugs me the most. I don't mind the cheerleading at all as long as they have their no. facts right. They lose, exactly. you know, exactly. they, they lose all their credibility when they're not pronouncing names right. Or like in our <laughs> game the other day, uh, the Fordham game, they kept going to Yuri Collins on the bench and they were showing Francis Okoro, who is almost a foot taller than Yuri <laughs> nothing alike. They showed one of our assistants and said, Ray Giacoletti. Yeah. They showed Giacoletti and they're talking about Travis Ford. So like if they get those things right, if they're not making just basic mistakes and then they want to kind of hype us up a little too much, that's then you go, okay, yeah, maybe if things break, right, we could get a couple more teams. But when when they're getting everything wrong and then they make a statement like that, then you just get mad at them. And yeah. then uh, last night they they said Markai Strickland 
was uh, they got him confused with Josh Hightower, which the only right. thing they have in common is tall hair. Nice. Uh, it's the worst. So it's, I can't stand it. I really do. I can't it, stand it. It's, it's just what we have to do in A10 land. We have to bear through this stuff. It's terrible. It's I am – I, I got to tell you, this game leading up to it uh, – the Zimmy came in against us last time around and he had nine points and now he's got 29 points the game before it's scaring me. Damn it. <laughs> I don't like I it. it. Talk to it. me. Uh, no, I mean, okay. So this is where we get to like the actual X's and O's. How do you beat Dayton? What kind of team are we? Right. And, um, and, and it's, it's pretty simple really. Like, People keep saying, oh, you never know what you're going to get with Dayton. Like, that could not be further from the truth. Dayton's the same damn team every night. It's just whether they're doing the two or three things correctly that they need to do to win. So, for the St. Louis listeners, it's real simple with Dayton. If you win the turnover battle, St. Louis is going to out-rebound UD. And they didn't in the first matchup, which was like, something that just blew my mind. Like the fact that St. Louis lost the rebounding battle the first time around was absolutely incredible to me, but Dayton is going to turn the ball over a lot. They're going to live and die by the three. They can't hold leads and they're going to have scoring droughts of varying amounts of time. Right? So the way that you beat Dayton is you limit EB Watson and you limit Jalen Crutcher. And that's the thing that St. Louis has not been able to do. And, And I'll tell you right now, Every single game that we lost, Crutcher and Watson have combined for less than 35 points. And I think in most of the losses, they've combined for less than 25 shots. That's the formula for beating Dayton. Turn them over, limit their two best scorers, and make someone else beat you because you just saw it against Rhode Island. Even with a freshman, Zimmy Nokeji, scoring 29 points, that still wasn't enough to beat Rhode Island, who's mediocre, because Dayton just doesn't have enough buckets in the lineup. Like it, like guys that manufacture buckets just aren't there. I think that's – it's interesting that you say limit EB and, uh, and Crutcher because I wonder Travis Ford going into this game, having seen his team play without Yuri Collins for two games, whether he debates giving Goodwin and Fred Thatch the, the lion's share of the, the minutes at the one in – Two or three, whatever you want to two call it. Two and three, it. yeah. Two and yeah. three. Yeah. Well, well, good. No, Goodwin letting Goodwin play the point and still Crutcher resting. Hasn't been playing the point. That's that's what Interesting. I'm saying. Crutcher hasn't been playing the point. He's been playing off the ball for Elijah Weaver. So that's that's what you'll see okay. tomorrow night. Starting lineup will be or uh, Friday night. Sorry. Uh, starting lineup will be Elijah Weaver, Jalen Crutcher at the two, Watson at the three. You'll get Amzil at the four. You'll get Big Jordy at the five. That's what we're going to roll out. And, we're, and our bench is yeah. short. It's not like you guys were, were – where you guys are deep. Like, Dayton's not deep. They play like six or seven guys, and that's it. These are all the things I heard leading up to that last game. <laughs> I well, know. Well, I'm so, I didn't know you guys were going to be so bad. What the hell? <laughs> like, what the – I mean, okay, from your end of it, like both of you guys need to tell, tell my Dayton fans, like what was going through your head? Was it just kind of like – Oh, of course we look this bad. Because for me, I was like, how the hell is St. Louis letting us do this to them? I, I, for me, it was, of course we look bad. I mean, we, we were <laughs> off for almost five weeks. You know, like we, yeah. I knew whatever team that came out was not going to look like the team um, in late December that, that, you know, all of a sudden had a flurry of positive tests. Um, th- so in hindsight, it seems like so obvious. 
that we looked the way we did, but everything was a step slow. Um, you know, we were losing 50, 50 balls, not closing out. It just, yeah. In, in hindsight, I, I, I mean, I, at the time I thought I'm not entirely surprised this is happening as disappointing as it was, but in hindsight, it seems pretty obvious why it was happening that way. Um, I'm still scared of some of the things that Dayton does well, uh, heading into tomorrow, but I, the way we've played defense, um, especially how we've shored up our perimeter defense in the last few games, um, I do feel a lot better <laughs> where we're at. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think a lot of it was, uh, of course, Dayton's making all these shots. Like from the limited time I've seen Dayton, it's kind of like the limited time I've seen like Mizzou. They don't really make shots. Like they don't they don't shoot well from outside. And then yeah. I was just like, okay, now now. Now Crutcher's double clutching, and yeah. yet what he threw up a a one handed three or something. I don't even remember what he did. He made some was... circus shots, and that's kind of what the other thing that he does and Watson kind of does is they're not afraid to shoot from really deep. Like they they yeah. have yeah, really deep serious range, and that's um, I think sometimes if those guys are feeling us feeling it, that's where we can get into trouble. Um, you know, if if I only felt like there were two threats. Um, I'd feel a little better because I love the way Goodwin and Thatch have kind of shut down the three-point line for teams the last few games. Um, I do get a little nervous, you know, because who's the third assignment? Is it Collins on bad ankles? Um, is it Jibberson who's going to have to guard Crutcher? Who's, who's actually stepped up? Right. He has he has stepped up, but he's not Thatch or Goodwin. Sure. Um, so, so the fact that there's kind of – that third spot is the one that kind of gives me pause. Like we don't necessarily have an answer for all three of them at the same time. Um, so if more than one of them is hot, like they were the first time they played is when both Watson and Crutcher were hitting um, that that's where I get the most nervous about this matchup. I think. Yeah. I yeah. think, I think you're going to see something different this, this game from the Billikens. I think the last game they were really trying to push the ball and really trying to get moving and score uh, they were they they obviously weren't comfortable setting up an offense, uh, but and they were kind of just trying to outscore Dayton. And I think they've really gotten back to their bread and butter and are playing a lot more uh, defensive first basketball and and letting that kind of uh, be the catalyst for offensive production. So I'm I'm glad that you guys uh, wanted to hammer home the point because it gave me all the time in the world to come up with the stat that I wanted to because I needed to hammer home the point of just how important Ibby Watson and Jalen Crutcher shooting is. And you guys brought it up yourselves. It was like, oh, against us the first time, they were just hitting shots. And you're right. I mean, I said this before. This, Like I said this about two months ago on my radio show. And I hinted it to you guys just a couple of minutes ago. The formula for Dayton, first and foremost, is that Crutcher and Watson have to score 35 points and they have to get at least 25 shots. That's it. Like, that is the formula for Dayton, right? So you guys said it. Against St. Louis, they were 9 for 15 from 3, okay, which is bonkers. They had 27 points off three-pointers. The next night... They went five for 14 against URI, which is an okay night. We won that game against Duquesne loss. Crutcher and Watson combined to go three for 21 from beyond the arc. The next game they came back. We won against Mason seven for 15 from three, right around 50% against VCU. They were three for eight. We lost that game 
against URI, they were three for 11. We also lost that game. I mean, you see it right there. Like it's clear as day. They have to hit three pointers for this team because and it's, it's not like, it's not like I'm saying structurally, this is what Anthony Grant needs to do. It's for the simple necessity of there's just no one else to score the ball for Dayton. They don't have guys that can create their own shot. They don't have a, a, an offense that like is glued together. And, um, you know, this is just what we have. It's like, like I said, in December you go, okay, well, if we do this, this, and this, things can change. It's like, it's fucking mid-February, man. Like nothing's going to change. Like this is who Dayton is. And you guys at least have the luxury of kind of, saying all right st louis can be this or st louis can be that and it, it brings me to like the last question i wanted to ask you guys tonight getting near the hour is that now that you the pause is done and and like we said a couple minutes ago you can't make excuses for the pause anymore what you have in front of you is what you have in front of you and the resume speaks for itself it's 11 and 3 it's good enough so we don't have to lean on the pause anymore even despite the date LaSalle losses what's the ceiling and what's the floor for st louis moving forward Pete, take this one. Like, Let Zach think about it. Ceiling yeah. in terms of uh, the regular season, or or how how far you think? We I, can yeah, go. I guess like this season, and I guess the the floor isn't isn't really a relevant question because the floor for St. Louis is missing the tournament. I think missing the tournament is a colossal failure, and yeah. the floor doesn't really matter after that. So let's go after this. Like, what is the expectation for you, and then maybe what is the ceiling of, of what you think this team can do moving forward? The expectation is making the tournament, um, the ceiling, um, you know, coming into this season, a lot of, a lot of the, you know, John Rothsteins and, and, and people like that were giving us kind of the, uh, the little preseason hype as the, uh, the, non, the non-power conference team to, uh, that could make a final four run. Um, I don't know. I thought Slew would be ranked now. all year for the, for the record. Yeah. 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 And, and obviously this season has been full of um starts and fits for for everybody or fits and starts sure. for every, every team you know so you know there's no way to have predicted some of the things that have happened this season but yeah. to me this is a program that has never made a sweet 16 in the uh you know since the tournament expanded to 64 so that's my goal for the season is to get to that second weekend mm-hmm. um take care of business mm-hmm. down the stretch in the regular season you know, obviously we talked about it before, but I, I would really like to go 4-0 and and then at least make a statement in the A-10 tournament of not winning the thing. Um, and then I think we're set up for a good seed. And if, if we can get a favorable draw in the tournament, um, I, I think this is, this is a team that can make that second weekend and, and finally get over that hump for us. I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think – uh, my expectation is obviously the, the NCAA tournament. Uh, I'd like to say my expectation is second week, but I think uh, my, my expectation, yeah, my expectation is to get out of the first round. Yeah, um, that for you got to get over that. Um, I think Travis Ford wants to get over it. I think he, I don't think he's been uh, ever. I mean, but, shit, guys. I, like, I, like, let me let me reinforce. Dayton hasn't won a tournament game since 2015. Okay, like it's been a while for us too. Uh, <laughs> like, you've won a tournament game more recently than Dayton has. Uh, yeah, we've. Um, what was the last one we won? Because we had the loss against Virginia was, back in our uh, last appearance. I thought. Won, well, I thought you guys won one in that one. Never 20, mind. Because it was 
Okay. New Mexico sorry. State. 2014, I think, would have been it. Yeah. It okay. was it down in Orlando. It would have been uh, NC State. NC State. It was the NC okay. State game. Yeah. So, yeah. For some reason, I thought you won the last time you guys got there when you won the A10 tournament. But I, I was no, we, we were we were blown out by Virginia. I mean, it was about as bad a draw as we could have gotten. They were playing great, and we had to like suddenly fly out to the West Coast, and we played. I think the last game of the first round. Yeah. Yeah. And but then I got were, thrown out of a bar. <laughs> I'm not shocked. But wasn't my fault. Not, wasn't I'm my fault. Was that. not my fault. A guy bumped me and then stepped <laughs> to me, and I had no choice. It was not parting, my fault. Parting words. Well, let's let's go let's go with this, guys. Um, since since you mentioned it, and, and we know it's all about the draw. I mean, um, in Dayton land, we'll tell you in 2014, the reason that Dayton went as far as they did was they got a favorable draw. They got teams that they could lock down on defensive guard play. They ran into a bad shooting night in Syracuse. Kansas got upset by Stanford. We slipped past them because they were a 10 seed. And then you know, we lost to a one seed Florida. Like we know as well as anybody. So my question to you guys is what does that bad matchup look like for St. Louis? Is it just a team that's good from the perimeter? Um, what does that look like to you where you would look at a game on paper and go, ah, this is a bad matchup for us? The, the other kind team. of team um, would be like a Minnesota that beat us earlier this year. And Minnesota's Again. got length at every position. Yep. And, and we can make opposing bigs if they've got like those kind of, you know, long seven footers. Uh, we, we can make those guys look really, really good. Um, yeah. So if, if, if there's a team with Minnesota's kind of size, that's the other – I think that's the other kind of team that beats us um, in addition to a team that's just got a bunch of guys who can shoot from really deep range. Yeah, I think uh, to add on to uh, Pete's point about uh, bigs, I think a deep uh, – a big, deep team. So like um, NC State, if they were at full health, would have really been a problem for us. Guys that can – where they can throw – uh, you know, three or four bigs at Hassan French and basically hack him to death and neutralize him. Now, Linson has really stepped up, so we'll see how it goes. But our big, I think Jimmy Bell's our biggest big at 6'11", and he barely gets any minutes right now. So the the the, the prototypical centers are what we really uh, struggle with, I think. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, French has had a, a knack for getting in foul trouble, but um... – on the other on the other side of that coin, if if he gets Jordy in foul trouble, you know, um, things could be a problem for Dayton, a team that doesn't have a ton of depth um, in the front court. So, I don't know. Yeah, that, I, I I guess a team with a deep bench could probably uh, could probably give us some problems too. Zach, on my show, uh, I'm a final thoughts kind of guy. So when I close the episode, I, I give everybody their parting thoughts, their final thoughts. I don't know how you guys end episodes, but I want to be accommodating here. Yeah, that's about right. Usually I ask Peter if he's got anything left. Uh, but uh, no, uh, and I will do that. But uh, find us on Twitter at Mid, Mid, Midtown Mad Pod. Uh, I am at Zach Miller, Z-A-C, Miller spelled the usual way, at it's at Zach Miller MMP and then Peter. Peter is a tweeter you? on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> you gave our, our, our other handle. Um, I guess final thoughts for me is I would like to see the Arch Baron Cup return to St. Louis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would like I to see Jalen Crutcher uh, get cold for once in his final game against Slough, or what I hope is his final game against Slough. I would rather not see Dayton in the tournament. 
I got I got a hot take before we hop off. Martin Linson is gonna take Martin Linson is gonna take home the Harewood horse. Oh yeah, he's gonna go for as the MVP. MVP yes. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, you know what, guys? I'll I'll end it here with my prediction. Um, boy, you know, I, I did it the first time we played, and I'm gonna do it again. I just don't see how Dayton wins this game. I truly do not. Um, you know, it would take a Herculean effort from Crutcher. He'd have to have 30 points. Um, so I'll say this: if Crutcher scores 30, we win. Any other way, it's not gonna happen. I'll say St. Louis beats Dayton 75. 66. I'm going to go nine point win for St. Louis. I think they're going to cover the spread. I think the spread will be low. Um, So I think educated college basketball spreaders will push uh, or betters will push the spread up. I think it'll probably open it like three or four and then it'll probably get pushed up a little bit, but Dayton does pretty well as home dogs. So that's all I'll say. That's all I'll say there, fellas. All right. God. (laughs) <laughs> i'm getting out of here i get it's getting me all nervous good we can close it up for the night thanks for joining us uh on behalf of zach and pete i'm sully we thank you for joining in for this crossover episode um on my program you're gonna hear a little bit of music on their program probably not because i like to push the rules and i still put copyright music on my program until someone tells me otherwise that i cannot anyways um i don't know they don't have any rules on their program mine are wear red and be loud if you're a st louis fan don't do those things don't wear red or be loud uh we'll just see on friday night six o'clock if you're in central seven o'clock on the east coast espn2 thanks for listening to the program we'll catch you next time i went home with a waitress the way i always do
Things in my